So you really have to pick and choose what's relevant and what's going to work. And this is a struggle for most companies. They're very good at understanding their technology and what they're building, but they cannot choose whether to go on LinkedIn or Facebook. You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today we're talking about how to more effectively align sales and marketing. This is a topic near and dear to anybody's heart who works in these two professions, as well as we're going to tackle how to ensure your teams have more time to sell, which in some of the latest reports is still one of the top concerns for sales executives. To help us, we have with us Risa Gooding. She's a marketing automation and CRM expert, co-founder and client services director of Cacao Media, a HubSpot certified platform platinum partner agency with offices in Tel Aviv, New York, and Nairobi. Risa, thank you so much for taking time and welcome to the show. Thank you, Chad. It's such a great pleasure to be here. I really appreciate the offer to be on your show today. Excellent. So we always start with uh, just kind of an off-the-wall question so people get to know you a little bit better. Uh, And I don't know why this has been my off-the-wall question for the past few weeks, but what is something you're passionate about that those who know you largely through work may be surprised to learn about? Ah, that was a very interesting question. So first of all, I think what most people don't realize is that I'm very passionate about helping minorities or marginalized people get opportunities that won't necessarily be available to them. So a very strategic part of my business is to give such people first preference for a position of working with me. So I live in Israel, for instance. So it's a country that isn't very accustomed to dealing with people who are minorities. So I often try to create those types of opportunities for them. <laughs> ah, beautiful. Excellent. That is great. That is amazing uh, focus. And and thank you very much for sharing that. Now, let's get to the, the kind of the topic at hand. How did you get so passionate about optimizing um, marketing systems and, and that driving alignment with sales and marketing? Where'd that passion and focus come from? Well, you know, it's funny enough that you ask, you're asking this question because the truth is, Chad, I actually just fell into this. <laughs> Why? It's because I moved to Israel 12 years ago and I am originally from the Caribbean, Trinidad and Tobago. So I had no idea of Jewish life or anything in Israel and I definitely did not speak Hebrew. <laughs> so here I am, I need to live in Israel and I cannot speak Hebrew and I need to find a job. So the other thing I decided to do was basically use my English. If I can leverage my English to get myself a job, why not? So one of the most attractive, uh, actually gearing and targeting the US and the UK markets and a lot of other English speaking markets. So this is because I had a need to fill, which was to find myself a job and then realizing that the only thing I can do is probably do marketing. Thing and actually is thriving that. As I began my, my, my career in marketing, I realized it's a whole new world, you know, because this is a world where companies really hide away because it's a world that doesn't really expose a company's weaknesses. But when I got into it, I saw how many inefficiencies were happening in the marketing and sales department. And I realized I could probably help turn this around because 
you know, most companies fail and, you know, they will never say it because of lack of marketing, really, you know, because they don't really see that because of their inefficiencies and the way they actually developed their marketing or executed their marketing plan, it resulted in their failure. So it was quite interesting for me now to dig deep into that and help them actually realize better ways and better methods of what can actually be more successful. Awesome. And so when you work with these companies and you see them struggling with that sales and marketing alignment, there's always a lot of challenges that, that, that come with trying to get two organizations to get into seamless alignment. But what are some of the top challenges you find they're trying to resolve? Well, honestly, Chad, there are three top challenges I see consistently throughout my engagement with different clients. The first one is really they don't understand their go-to-market strategy. And it means that they don't really understand which channels make sense for them to invest in because today you really cannot do everything at once. And oftentimes you don't have the budgets of most companies. You're not Microsoft, you're not Apple, you don't have endless budget to try everything. <laughs> so you really have to pick and choose what's relevant and what's going to work. And this is a struggle for most companies. They're very good at understanding their technology and what they're building but they cannot choose whether to go on LinkedIn or Facebook. That is always like the most, you know, <laughs> helpless situation they find themselves in. <laughs> one of the second strategies or one of the second challenges I see often is really understanding how their sales pipeline work. So again, you go into these companies and you expect that they will know how to sell what they are selling. But really what happens is that they don't really know how to map out and build those processes. So their sales team will know what stages they need to go through in order to close a deal. So a lot of it is haphazard and especially living in a country like Israel, where these Israelis really, they sell ice to Eskimos, but it's always at a whim. It's not something that they have processes or they invest in any processes. So they find themselves having to actually do things a lot oftentimes by trial and error. And they don't even think, stop to think what works and try to build that into a process that they can follow. So that brings me to the third challenge. And the third challenge is really understanding now which systems will help them achieve numbers one and number two and help them to stay within budget and within the resources they have. So these are the top three challenges I see over and over again, no matter the size of company or the industry, they always suffer from those three things. Wow. And once you, once you go in and you work on those top three and, you know, you start with leadership and get them all on the same page, then there's the added challenge of how do you get the field sales and marketing teams to, uh, align around a common language, around a common mission or vision. When you see, once you've got leadership on the right page and then you start working with field teams, is it purely adoption of technology that they're, that you have to fight against or is there behavioral change as well? Um, and when you, when you try to drive this type of alignment? Well, honestly, it's both. Mostly, sometimes at first, it's sometimes a kind of pushback to adopting a new technology because, yes, oftentimes they have to learn a new system and get accustomed to a new system. And they may previously be well acquainted with another system, so they don't necessarily want to change because they're stuck in their ways. But it's also <laughs> behavioral change, you see, because behavioral now comes simply because salespeople being stuck in their ways means that they don't often want to adapt to how buyers are actually changing the, their habits and the way they purchase today. 
So they may have been successful 10 years ago or five years ago even using certain techniques to close a sale. And they don't understand that as we evolve as buyers and customers, our strategies change. And we no longer rely on a salesperson to tell us what's good for us. So even in terms of getting them to understand that they need to spend more time connecting to the customer or understanding what are the prospect's challenges before trying to offer them a solution, it's quite difficult for them to even make that mind switch. So it's both technology, but more so even behavioral, I see more and more again. Yeah, and it's a tough challenge, right? I mean, it's it's to get somebody to change. I mean, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, wow, I want to change today, right? Especially when you have so right, many different <laughs> technologies available and everybody wants to believe that there's a, a single technological uh, silver bullet. But I've, when we work with clients, we see all kinds of applications in the tech stack, which I understand why they're using them because it provides great insight for the business, but it also can provide distractions. I've seen salespeople focus way too much on multiple applications rather than truly understanding and engaging in a, in a refined sales process and approach. So when you work with organizations, how do you suggest that the teams optimize their use of technology to drive more focus on selling rather than hiding behind the tech? You know what? That's such a good question, Chad, and you are so right. You know, today there are like over 7,000 sales and marketing technology stacks <laughs> available today for salespeople. 7,000. And you will go into some companies and you swear they're using 7,001 <laughs> of those marketing stacks. Okay? Because it's, a, it, it's shocking to see how many things they wish to use. And this really, really causes problems because you and I know today that two of the biggest costs in a business are technology and human resources. Yes. So even though you might think you're paying $20 for a system, that actually accumulates over a year because it's a SaaS system that you pay every month. So sometimes the costs may be looking small on the front end, but it adds up. And then when you have like 10,000 of those systems, it's definitely adding up. So yes, when I go into a company, I really try to help them first and foremost to optimize their technology stack because I need to show them how to focus on selling and not just first things I would do is, for example, show them where it's disconnected. Like I would ask a simple question. Can your salespeople see what your marketing people are doing? If not, that's a disjointed system. And you need to find a way to have them both talking to each other because it is necessary for the salespeople to know exactly what the marketing people are doing and vice versa. So if it is that your systems are not talking to each other, we have a problem. The second thing is also how efficient or how productive are your teams? Is it that the system, are they working for the system or is the system working for them? You see, so oftentimes you find lots of teams are settling down and they're spending so much time updating the system and keeping the records in the system. That's not their job. Their job is to sell. So that system <laughs> must be able to automate a lot of their tasks and make certain redundancies like zero. They should not have to be doing the same things over and over again. And the last thing I would say is that, is this technology also growing with your business and most importantly, with the demands of your team? So are they able, to, is your technology stack able to keep up with all the changes that your business is going through? 
So if these three things are not being met, then we have a problem. And this is where I try to tackle the issue to help them see that their teams cannot sell when these three problems occur in their business. <laughs> and is there is there an optimal balance that you see between, you know, with all the tech, I mean, it does require people to interface with it, right? It, we'll use Salesforce as an example. You do have to update it. It won't update yeah. itself. Do you see that there's exactly. an optimal balance between how much time a, a rep should be on a system or, or leveraging a system versus, uh, you know, in the field actually selling? Is there a percentage you look to try and hit when you're working with clients? Well, for sure. And Pareto has always given us that percentage. It must be an 80-20 balance, meaning that you should always spend 20% of the focus on the technology and 80% selling. And how do you achieve that, though, is by setting up the system properly in the first place. So the first couple months of having a system, it won't be an 80-20 balance. It might be a 90-10 where you spend more time setting up the system. But if the system is set up correctly, then you can find yourself spending less time maintaining and keeping the system up. So, for example, you know, I focus a lot on HubSpot, for instance, and HubSpot connects to people's website and to their emails automatically. Once you set up the system in the first place, you have a sort of connection. So guess what? It just took away time for you to understand what's going on with your buyers as you visit your website, which forms the fill out, who's supposed post answer which forms because you can automate all of that process so it reaches to the right person once the website visitor comes to your site. But what's more importantly, we know salespeople hate to give summaries. They hate to tell you what happens after a call <laughs> or to summarize any actions they took. So HubSpot has found a way to integrate their email inbox with the with HubSpot as well as their phone calls. So everything is recorded under the contact. Salespeople no longer need to tell you a summary anymore of what's happening with that contact. They simply have everything integrated and they may have to just adjust the field or say, okay, this prospect is now moved from new to being um, in progress or something like that as a lead status. So that's the minimum work they do. They don't have to do anything more than that because the system does all the automation, all the connections and summaries for them. So this is where I say if you set things up properly in the beginning, you don't have to spend so much time maintaining the system. Yeah, set it, I, I'm with you 100%. Setting up the system the right way rather than just kind of unleashing it uh, saves a lot of time and wasted energy down the road. So it, once you've got a system set up, and, and you know that's what we're focused on today because there's so much technology out there. But when you look, say, into the next two to three years, once we get, once people figure out how to, you know, smooth out their systems and get them aligned, what are the largest challenges on the horizon you're excited to be a part of? Well, Chad, this may sound very, very funny and strange, but there are two challenges and two changes I'm most excited about. The first one is that I hope in the next five years that I will have no businesses operating on Excel. You don't understand how many businesses I still go to and they are running their sales and marketing on an Excel sheet. And mind you, these companies are super successful. They run into millions of dollars of revenue every year, but they don't have any type of CRM or marketing automation system in place. Excel is their CRM. So this is one change I'm excited about being contributing to. But the next change that I'm hoping to really lead and actually help a transition in is really seeing marketing teams transition into what we would call them as digital sales teams instead. 
because since the whole term of digital marketing came about, we all got excited and we all thought, okay, we are going to be marketing and we're going to do everything digitally and it's all going to be online. But we still got sucked into this whole term of marketing where salespeople don't value our contributions or value our effort. So I think one of the changes that has to happen in the next few years, in the next two to three years, is to kill the word marketing and call us digital sales instead. So that way, salespeople see more value in what we are bringing to them. And we ourselves as marketing don't stop at the point of bringing the lead, but we see the lead through the entire process until it turns into a customer. So we no longer measure ourselves by how many visit our website, but we measure ourselves by how many customers we end up closing for that company. So this is what I would like to see, and I hope to see transition and change in the next coming years. And I've seen more and more companies adopting this new strategy of really blending the both teams together and making them one. So this is what's needed to achieve that. I, I love it. It's a, it's a provocative statement. I mean, there are marketers out there who I know who are, who never want to believe they're part of sales. <laughs> so, but to have them called digital sales, I love it. I love it. Great perspective. Exactly. So, all right. So let's change direction here a little bit. We ask all of our guests two standard questions at the end of each interview. The first is simply as a revenue executive yourself, that means you are a prospect for other people that are trying to sell. And I'm always curious to learn when somebody doesn't have a referral or a relationship with you, what is it that captures your attention and builds the credibility so somebody can earn the right to have some time on your calendar for a discussion? I love this question so much because it's something I often try to do as a salesperson myself. And the two things I would say that salespeople sometimes don't always get right, authenticity, those two things. Authenticity, I really like to see that they believe in the product they're selling. And I want to see that passion for it. I want to check if they will purchase it themselves or recommend it to their closest friend or their mother. I want to know how well they know that product and how much they believe in that product. So many times you meet these people who are like, ah, well, I am not really convinced, but I have to sell it, so that's (laughs) it. So this will be a total turn-off. But the second part is the relatability. I need to understand before you approach me, how much do you know about me? How much do you know about my challenges? You know, today again with digital marketing and all these access we have with these 7,000 tech stacks, it means have greater access to you. So you find yourself being spammed a lot. Think about how many spam emails you get where people offering you things you don't want. Or even now they're getting into your LinkedIn and sending you messages of things you don't want. And I'm like, why would you do this? I mean, yes, you've used LinkedIn feature to figure out, okay, I'm a marketer, but why would you be selling me something that is certainly not in my scope or nothing that I'm interested in? Did you spend time understanding exactly who I am and what my challenges are before you approach me? So these are the two things I look out for. If I get a very personalized email where people I know said something that is really hitting my pain spot, then I definitely respond. But everything else gets deleted without even me looking at it. And I feel bad because I'm a marketer too. But I hope to God I'm not that guilty of those things because I do check myself when I'm also consulting with my companies to really beg them to not just spam people and make sure what you're sending them is relevant and relatable. Yeah, I love it. Perfect. So last question, we call it our acceleration insight. If there's one thing you could tell sales or marketing professionals, one piece of advice you could give them that you believe will help them hit their targets, what would it be and why? 
This question I love very much. And I will tell you what I would say to everyone I meet, especially salespeople, because they're some of the most scrappy people sometimes you meet, is get organized. I mean, like seriously, get organized. It is not enough anymore to rely on your memory or scrambled notes or little notepads all over your desk to know what to do with a prospect. You need to invest in a system like a CRM that helps you to monitor things, send you um, reminders in a timely way so you know when to follow up with a, res- with a prospect in a timely manner. It's too much that we leave things to chance. And as you say, as they say, if you snooze, you lose because your competitor is actually on your heels and they are very organized. So when you lose a deal to a competitor, understand it because you've missed the opportunity because of your disorganization. So you have to think about how it is you're doing your task daily and really invest in the system or use the system that you've already invested in to keep you organized. And this is the main purpose of a CRM today. So it will really help you solve a lot of those leaky funnels that you have and more importantly, save you the brain space of trying to remember everything you need to do next day. So this is my <laughs> my best advice to them. Perfect. Perfect. That's absolutely amazing advice. I hope people listen to it, take it to heart because our memories are very fallible. So Risa, if a listener is interested in talking more about the topics we've touched on today, how would you like to get in, them to get in contact with you? Where should we send them? Well, the easiest place is LinkedIn. I'm always on LinkedIn, you know, and I respond the fastest there. So you can just look for me at Risa Gooding, R-E-S-A Gooding, and just connect with me. I'm always happy to connect with people there. Or you can visit my website at www.cacaomedia.co, not .com, .co. There are no more .com addresses, okay, people? So if you're starting a business, <laughs> you know what <laughs> Reese, I can't thank you enough for taking time to be on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Chad. It was a pleasure as well. And I look forward to continuing our conversation in the near future. All right, everybody, that does it for this episode. Please check us out at b2brevexec.com. Share the episode with friends, family, coworkers. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on iTunes. And until next time, we at Value Selling Associates wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.